Do you follow any celebrity gossip? Not really. I try to, I mean, sometimes something gossip worthy will just happen to someone like a celebrity that I'm already interested in, like something scandalous will occur, but I'll generally try to not stick my nose in too much. They don't need it. I don't need it. And also like, I don't know, a lot of times gossip is like negative stuff. And it's like, why would I want to bring my own mood down? So you don't get enjoyment out of gossip like most people do. I don't. I shouldn't say most people. I haven't pulled America. (laughs) Most people are trash. (laughs) (laughs) That's the butter. No parsnips opinion. (laughs) (laughs) We're the only good ones. Welcome to Butter No Parsnips. Every week on Butter No Parsnips, your hosts Kyle Imperator and Emily Moyers take you on an adventure through the weird, wacky, wonderful, and sometimes even wicked world of one wayside word. Strange characters, delightful bits, and general joyousness abound. Join them as they test each other's etymological expertise. Hey! Everybody, everybody, welcome to Butter No Parsnips. I'm Emily Moyers. And I'm Kyle Imperator. And boy, Emily, do I have something to gossip about today with you. Oh, is it word-related? It is ward-related, absolutely. Ward-related? Ward-related. It's Burt Ward-related. <laughs> it's not. But it could be if you draw a lot of connections. <laughs> <laughs> Emily, would you like to know what your word is today? I would love to know what my word is today. Emily, your word today is zaftig. Z-A-F-T-I-G, zaftig. Oh, wow, boy. All right, so my immediate thought is German? Uh, or not exactly. Germanic? Mm, kind of, in a roundabout way, sure. Interesting. I don't like that answer. <laughs> As for part of speech, I feel like I just have no clue. Adjective? It is an adjective, yes. Something is zoftig. Yeah. What What about it made you say adjective? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> just had that feel. I guess. It doesn't look like any part of speech. It doesn't look like an English word. (laughs) (laughs) You will soon see why. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Can I know the language of origin? It is Yiddish. Whoa. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Can I get a hint, please? Uh, Sure. Emily, your hint today is Dolly. That's capitalized D. (sighs) Okay. All right. So I ju- just for context for the audience, yeah. all of my thoughts are Dolly Parton related. I don't know if that's the sense that you meant it, but any logic I go is going to be in a Dolly Parton direction, <laughs> okay, just okay. so everyone knows. Mm-hmm. And I'm also thinking about gossip, because that was the question. All right. Zoftig describes... Oh, um. <laughs> Go for it, Em. <laughs> well, I I keep thinking like nine to five and then like office gossip. So does Zoftig describe, I don't know, like water cooler talk? You'd say like Zoftig talk? No, but that's, that's. I mean, I like the connections you're drawing. <laughs> it's real loose. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I'm it's, at such a loss here, Kyle. Zoftig means of a woman having a plump and sexually attractive oh. figure, voluptuous, well-proportioned, full-figured, 
buxom, large, and sometimes can be a euphemism for fat. Boy, we were right before we started recording. You are going to be canceled this week. <laughs> Time to cancel Kyle. I also just want to say that when you said Dolly, that like that sort of a meaning was one of the things that crossed my mind. And I said, well, it wouldn't be that. Kyle wouldn't be that crass. <laughs> Kyle's not looking to jump the shark this soon into the podcast. He's got to at least have three more words in him before He's he quits. He's got some scruples. <laughs> no, Emily. Scrupulous, I am not. <laughs> so, Emily, Zaftig, like many of our nation's finest words, comes from Yiddish. It does. Once you said Yiddish, I was like, that That makes sense. That feels... Yeah. This feels like it could be a Yiddish word. The yeah. Yiddish word zaftik with a K mm-hmm. could also have both a positive or a negative connotation towards women. So it can mean like juicy or succulent or it can mean fat. But it originally referred to food being juicy, succulent or tasty. That is better than women being described yeah. as succulent. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I got bad news for you, Emily. We're not going to talk about that really at all today. Uh, cool. <laughs> Outside of the origin. So, <laughs> Zoftic comes from the noun Zoft, which means juice. And that comes from the Middle High German Zoft or Soft, meaning juice. Wow. So it literally is juicy. Yeah. From Old High German Sof and from Proto-West Germanic Sop, meaning juice. Goes back pretty far, huh? <laughs> I mean, I guess we'd, we've had fruits for a while we've and we've been juicing them. That's true. <laughs> they know? had those automatic old... juicers way back then. <laughs> <laughs> juice cleanse diets back in the ancient times. <laughs> It ultimately comes from the Proto-Indo-European root sob, sop, or sep, which means to taste or to try out. Emily, can you guess what botanical word also comes from this root? Oh, what's the root again? Sob, sop, or sep. Oh, a botanical word. Mm-hmm. It's I have no the, idea. It's it's way more obvious than you're thinking. I <sighs> just pronounce sop a different way. S-A-P. Soap? S-A-P. Oh, sap. Sap, Emily. You got it without any hints. I was like, how can you pronounce sop differently? It's just sop. Uh, soup? (laughs) That's a kind of juice, right? That's meat juice. (laughs) Well, they've also been making soap a long time, so it made sense in my head. It's true. Kyle, you are just coming after women today. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to come after men too, Emily. Don't worry. Okay. (laughs) So, yes, the root sob also brings us sap, which makes zoftig a doublet of the word sappy from an obsolete sense meaning juicy. Look at that. Yeah, it traveled from the Proto-Indo-European root through Old English sap with an Uh. ash in it, meaning sap or juice. Then sappy, full of sap, succulent, juicy, and then the Middle English sappy, meaning having lots of sap. Ash is the A-E one, right? Yeah, the A-E one. Emily, you got another question for you. I'm full of questions this episode. Oh, that's, you know, it's fun for me because then maybe I'll get one right. <laughs> oh, this is just a, an open-ended question. So I, I, so I, you're I can't get lose. It right. Yeah, you can't lose. What do you know about Yiddish? Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can certainly name a lot of Yiddish words. 
but I don't think I know anything about the language. Yeah, that's fair. I barely knew anything until I started doing some research here. I'm trying to think, does Yiddish, so like we talked about other, we talked about like Semitic languages, like what we talked about, like the Abgad yes. and and yes, all that did. stuff. Yes. Is that, does that connect or is this a different language branch? It is a different language branch. There okay. are some words, some Yiddish words that have like Aramaic roots, but the, I think those came separately yeah uh, so i think sold those separately. came through like hebrew texts yeah sold separately <laughs> batteries not included <laughs> so yiddish is a west germanic language that was originally spoken by ashkenazi jews in central europe and it dates all the way back to the ninth century it's a pretty old language it feels old it feels like it has weathered the sands of time you know <laughs> I think you're thinking of the Prince of Egypt, Emily. <laughs> <laughs> like in a, you yes. know, like it has withstood the passage yes. of the years. It truly has. As we've already worked out, it stems from High German. And in fact, the term Yiddish is a shortening of the Yiddish phrase Yiddish Teich, which means Jewish German. Oh. Yeah. But we cut off the part that is German, so it's just well, yeah, it's Jewish. Just Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> I'm speaking Jewish. <laughs> Basically. Uh, Yiddish began to flourish in America when Ashkenazi Jews began to emigrate here from Germany and Poland in the mid to late 1800s. So before then, most of the Jews in America were Sephardic Jews, which is a different branch of Judaism. So the language Yiddish became a point of connection for Jewish American immigrants from different countries. And it thrived, especially in places like New York City. And by 1915 in New York City, the city saw a circulation of half a million daily Yiddish newspapers. That's how important the wow. language Wow. Yeah. That is crazy. That is crazy, isn't it? But like, like you can still see it today. Like New Yorkers use a lot of, I mean, not a lot, but we have a handful of Yiddish words that are just, we all just use. Yeah, exactly. So it became so ubiquitous that it started to influence non-Jewish Americans and Englishes like New York City English became filled with Yiddishisms, which are just Yiddish words taken from the language and plugged into English. Heck yeah. And they're all good words. They are. Can you think of any? Uh, schwitzing is sweating. Schwitzing. Yeah, that's a good one. Oh, there's so many more. They all just ran out of my head. Wow. <laughs> they're gone. There's so many. <laughs> are, are you schwitzing now? I am. I'm I know so many. Hint me some and I'll get them. <laughs> Uh, I'm just going to tell you some, Emily. So, yeah. oh, klutz is a Yiddish word. Oh, I didn't know that one. That's a yeah. good one. It means, uh, obviously, a clumsy or stupid person. And it comes from the Yiddish klotz, uh, which literally meant wooden beam or block of wood. And it was used figuratively to mean blockhead or oaf. That's fun. Isn't I thought fun? of another one, kvetching. It means complaining, right? Yes, kvetching yeah. does, yeah, yeah. Uh, I do a lot of kvetching <laughs> on this podcast, in fact. <laughs> and in life. <laughs> yeah. Another English word of Yiddish origin is chutzpah, which is a That's fun a one. That's a great one. It means nearly arrogant courage or utter audacity. And it comes from the Yiddish chutzpah, 
meeting audacity. And that one, like I alluded to earlier, uh, comes ultimately from Aramaic, uh, haspa oh, yeah. or hasap, which means to be barefaced or insolent. That is fun. Although, Kyle, I think what you meant to say was chutzpah. Yeah, chutzpah. Oh, chutzpah. okay. You got it's, it. It's a hard, hard for me to do that. Chutzpah. <laughs> yeah. I got, so, like, my family is a Jewish by heritage, and, like, mm-hmm. no one... No one in my immediate sphere are practicing Jews, but like in terms of throwing Yiddish words in sentences, they are passionate about it. So chutzpah was one that I heard. <laughs> Leo Rostin's popular 1968 dictionary, The Joys of Yiddish, <gasps> distinguishes. It's a great title, right? Bob Ross wrote that one, right? Yeah, Bob, Bob, Yiddish. Bob, Bob Rostin. <laughs> The book distinguishes Yiddish words used in English, what he calls Yinglish, uh, but has also been humorously called Hebronics, uh, which is hilarious. Um, He distinguishes Yinglish from what he calls Ameridish, which are words coined and used by Jews in the United States separate from Yiddish. One of those words he suggests is Shmagegi, which is another word for idiot. But the oh. distinction is a bit foggy between, you know, what was originally coined in America and what comes from Yiddish. Gotcha. Rostin deftly defines Zaftig in his book in a single sentence. And you're going to love this uh, sentence, Emily. Okay. He says, Zaftig describes in one word what it takes two hands outlining an hourglass figure to do. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> that kind of what it like took a second to like visualize in my head. <laughs> if you add in a wolf whistle, that helps. <laughs> and a wooga. <laughs> so understandably, Zoftig is often used in lurid celebrity gossip. Oh. Right? Yeah, uh, like the contemporarily? Uh, yeah, surprisingly. Wow. That's crazy. <laughs> so the example that I have is the word was bandied about. There's also probably some like Semitic tropes here too, but the word was bandied about during the Monica Lewinsky scandal. Oh. One editorial entitled, Why We Should All Get Down on Our Knees and Thank Monica Lewinsky, <laughs> which is a great title for an editorial. <laughs> it described her as unshackled from sexual modesty and constantly celebrating her zoftig sensuality. Wow. Yeah. Wow, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Emily, get comfortable because it's only getting worse from here. <laughs> so there's a context, there's a historical context for using Zoftig like this, Emily. Uh-huh. And it dates back to the earliest written instance of Zoftig in English. You which keep was saying the- this like you're trying to really get me excited. Like, <laughs> yeah, like you're a teacher to- being like, hey, yeah, I'm reading this book. It's going to be so fun. <laughs> I know it's 600 pages, but look. <laughs> You're gonna love it. <laughs> love it. Pay Please. no attention to how old and ancient this book yeah. looks. <laughs> so the earliest written instance of Zoftig in English was a New York City tabloid paper called Broadway Brevities and Society Gossip. Okay. I'm you ever ready. Heard of this I'm paper? Str- I, absolutely not. Have you? Of course not. Yeah, I used to read it. <laughs> I was a longtime <laughs> subscriber. I was a brevity bro. 
Um, I was not, just for <laughs> clarity, <laughs> just in case anyone wasn't sure. So Emily, Broadway Brevities was a lot of things, okay? First and foremost, it is both self-credited and widely seen as America's first national weekly gossip tabloid. It launched in 1916 and ran until 1925, and we'll get into why it closed in a little bit. Okay. It closed during the Roaring Twenties, which is crazy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> and started Good. during World War I? <laughs> 1916. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> it's just insane. The whole thing is insane. I'm like... A piece in the February 1921 edition of Brevities, which was entitled Chicago Jottings and written by their, in quotes, special correspondent, which (laughs) I'm thinking was just they pretended to have gone to Chicago. I don't know. (laughs) But the article declared the city hornswoggled up over Uh, the actress Sophie Tucker, one fine zoftig gal. (laughs) Hornswoggled up. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it goes on. It mentions the politician Dorsey Crow and claims he gets all head up over Sophie and dern me pumpkins if another <laughs> young squirt by name of Fred Barnes don't do the same. Wall bagosh, your correspondent has got to say that she just don't notice another of them much and they're saying's round she's to pack her dud soon and hike to New York. <laughs> Kyle, how is it that you always manage to find a quote like that? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I just attract them. I've already forgotten every word you said because none of the words were words. That's fine. Sidebar. This the actress they're talking about, Sophie Tucker. I looked her up to see if any of this was true, and she admits in her autobiography that yeah, she did have a thing for the politician Dorsey Crow. And Sophie Tucker was definitely a zoftig woman, and <laughs> she was the inspiration for Matron Mama Morton in Chicago. <gasps> That's so funny because they'd mention her in one of the songs in yes, Chicago. Exactly. Yeah. I, w- I won't say it because there's a curse in it, but it's a funny line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is a very good line. Another column in Brevities outlines rumors in the form of questions from the editor. It's like a long running thing that they have in their uh, issues. Questions from the editor? So, for example, one of the questions, it's like just a list of questions. And so like one is, why did Agnes slip Billy under the table the other night at the P Royal just after he had asked for the check? You know, it's like, you know, gossip, but through like, oh, did you hear about this? Oh, oh. what about this? Why is this happening? Can't this happen? Stuff Interesting. like that. It's like they've like jeopardied it. They've jeopardied it, yeah. <laughs> you must <laughs> answer in the form of a question. <laughs> what category is this, Emily? <laughs> uh, it's Broadway brevities and... Uh, Society gossip. Uh, yep. Mm-hmm. That's what I said. <laughs> okay. <laughs> The uh, column calls two other actresses Zoftig that same year. In May of 1921, they write, And have a heart and tell us, where is Zoftig Ingrid Zanders? The suspense is killing us. And in December, it writes, Isn't Diana Allen getting very Zoftig? <laughs> getting very Zoftig. I feel like you can't use it in that way. Like... Like, to describe a woman who is already, is that makes sense. But to say, like, oh, well, she's getting awfully zoftig, that 
feels like it doesn't work. <laughs> Remember that it can also be used as a euphemism for like heavy, for fat. Yes, but I mean, I don't know, just the sound of it, it doesn't sound like it makes as much sense grammatically when you it use doesn't. it that way. I, perhaps that's why they italicized it in only that line. <laughs> yeah. I do like, though, when you just say the Zoftig Ingrid Sanders, it just makes it sound like that's her full name. Like, she's got three names. The Zoftig Ingrid Sanders, yeah. <laughs> or that's her title. <laughs> yeah. So, naturally, Emily, Brevities was also the most scandalous magazine of its time. Absolutely. In the mid-twenties, Brevities ran a 13-part series entitled oh. A Night in Fairyland, which worked to out closeted gay and lesbian celebrities oh. and their debaucheries in New York City. Yeah, now you've gotten from bad to worse, buddies. <laughs> it was very homophobic. Mm, good, good, but good, good, also, good, good. Great. In its sensationalist detail, it was very accurate. <laughs> I don't know if that helps or if it's worse. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, the historian Will Straw says that it was so thorough that many of the writers must have been queer themselves and that queer people probably read brevities to find the best parties. He says, <laughs> you could take the episodes of Nights in Fairyland and publish it as a guidebook for gay tourists in New York. Hilarious. Yeah, isn't that <laughs> wild? It is wild, but I feel like still bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, definitely not good. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, this it was scandal-laden, right? Yeah. Is that what got them canceled no <laughs> okay i was gonna say i feel like in 1920 whatever it wouldn't <laughs> so it was 13 parts because the paper was canceled it ended its run in 1925 gotcha and that's because its editor stephen g clo who was remembered in one column as the originator of saloon journalism, which is a great title to have. What is saloon journalism? <laughs> you know, saloon journalism. You know, come on, Emily, saloon journalism. <laughs> <laughs> Good. So Stephen G. Clough was convicted by a United States grand jury after an equally scandalous and highly publicized trial. You ready for this, Emily? No. <laughs> it's no wonder that he was convicted because Clo once described himself to Time Magazine, to Time Magazine, <laughs> as the most famous and wicked blackmailer in world history. Oh, wow. Uh, can you guess what he did, Emily? <laughs> B uh, blackmailed somebody he shouldn't have? <laughs> yeah, a lot of people he shouldn't have, Emily. Oh, good, good, good. Turns out that he had been using Broadway brevities to blackmail important figures, such as Broadway producer Lee Schubert or the yeast magnate Julius Fleischmann, by mailing threats demanding that they advertise in his magazine or else he'd use it to publish damaging information about them. Oh, wow. Just yeah. like stepping out onto such thin ice, my dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Remember, first, first gossip tabloid ever. <laughs> and went after producers and business magnates. Yeah. And, and this is 
basically how every tabloid I assume has been run since. <laughs> yeah. And how anyone that has gone under has gone under. <laughs> has gone under. Yeah. So after serving jail time for two years of his six year sentence, Clo was released and then brought brevities back two more times both times becoming less journalistic and more sensationalist, with innuendo-laden headlines like Queers Seek Sucker, Pansies no. Blow U.S., and Big Balls Popular. I mean, sex sells. <laughs> it, uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on which side of this story you're on, uh, it all ended <laughs> yeah, in no, disaster. Yeah, I'm really rooting for this guy. <laughs> yeah, I he think everything like he's a, done is good. So. Really spot on guy. <laughs> so please fella. tell me that it has a happy ending for him. Uh, no, it, it ended in disaster for him. He was arrested again in 1938. He had taken brevities to Canada, which is where he was from, and started running it there and then was arrested in Canada um, <laughs> and then died penniless in Bellevue Hospital. Not a good hospital at the time. Three <laughs> years later, and no one stepped forward to claim his body. Real sad ending wow. for him. But hey, you know, you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. Absolutely, Emily. <laughs> to tie this all back to Zoftig. Please do. Like its Yiddish predecessor, it can also refer to food as plump, juicy, or full. You can think yeah. of like a Zoftig steak or a biscuit, right? Sure, I wouldn't describe a biscuit as juicy. <laughs> you know, but full, plump, you know, ooh, it's, you know, a loaf of bread, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Or Zoftig can also more generally mean rich, pleasing, or full. Mm -hmm. Think of like a Zoftig orchestral sound or a Zoftig oh. bank account. Sure, yeah, right? yeah. But Emily, The Joys of Yiddish offers one more take on Zoftig. Oh, right. That was the book. I thought yes. you were just coining a phrase. The, <laughs> the joys, joys of Yiddish. Of Yiddish. <laughs> the whims of the Yiddish language. There's, an, there's another definition that Rostin offers for Zoftig, and that's provocative, seminal, or germinal. And so, in a sense, the tabloid that started America's fascination with Zoftig women and gossip tabloids in general was truly Zoftig to its oh, wow. core. Wow, to its core. Emily, that's Zoftig. Boy, I mean, great, <laughs> great episode. A lot of, a lot of interesting dives into history and tabloidism. Tabloidism. I assume the language that's of the tabloids. study of... Sure, yeah. <laughs> Tabloidology. Tabloidology. And it is a good word, for sure. It's a good word when it's used politely. <laughs> politely, yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, Emily, here's your chance to use it politely. Can you use Zoftig in a sentence? Heck yeah, I can. Ready? Here I go. <laughs> <laughs> and in the episode, it's going to happen right away. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope so. If it doesn't, oof. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Hey, you this one, this okay, one good. folks, is a true story. Tonight, I ate an absolutely delicious stew made of Zoftig steak topped with a Zoftig biscuit. Beautiful. It was delicious. <laughs> I'll take it. You took the cheap route. You took the easy way I out. I did. I used it in the two ways that you just <laughs> used it. But it was genuinely what came to mind, probably because I had just heard it. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful, Emily. Uh, well, are you full from your Zoftig soup or would you have room for a 
game, perhaps. I'm not I'm not quite Zoftic in that way. I have room for a game. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> I am Zoftic in another way. <laughs> <laughs> Emily, your game today is called English Schminglish. <laughs> Amazing. I'm excited. So I'm going to give you some definitions from the joys of Yiddish, and you will have to tell me the word that Rostin is describing. Okay? Okay. So your first definition is to drag or pull or lag behind, as in... Don't blank all those packages, let the store deliver them. Or, they blanked me all the way out to see their house. This is another word that my mom uses frequently, if it's yeah. what I think it is. Uh-huh. Schlep. Schlep, Emily, you've got it. Yep, yep, yep. Nice That's, job. I probably used daily in my household. <laughs> it's a good word. <laughs> Schlep comes from the Yiddish schleppen, to drag, and it's from or related to Old High German Slyphen to drag or sleephon to slip. Interesting. Your next definition is something trivial, worthless, insultingly disproportionate to expectations. As in, I worked on it three hours and what did he give me? Blank. Oh, I'm sure I'll know it when I hear it, but... I've got hints for you if you need them. I think I do. And this is uh, through the words of Rost and he gives oh, rhymes. B- oh, bubkiss. You got it. Emily. Oh, <laughs> nice. Wow. What a relief. <laughs> Emily, you're making your heritage proud. Here we go. <laughs> Get my grandma to listen to this one. She'll be overjoyed. <laughs> yeah, bubkiss, Emily. Do you know where bubkiss, like what the Yiddish bubkiss means? Bobkiss? I, I don't. Is it, I, I assumed just nothing. No, it actually means sheep or goat droppings. <laughs> It comes from the Proto-Slavic bob, which meant bean, because the droppings looked like beans, little beans. Wow. The book says that it's used like peanuts, bupkis, (laughs) you know? That's hilarious to use peanuts as a touchstone, because we don't really use peanuts in that way anymore. No, I mean, it's so from now 1968. Like peanuts is further away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Rostin says, The man who exclaims bubkiss is a man who understands the place of pride in the protocol of humiliation. <laughs> Excellent. This last one, I think you can get it too. I gotta go three for three, you know? You gotta go three for three. The definition is an inexpensive, unimportant thing, as in, he gave her some blank or other for her trouble. Uh-oh. Oh, I really want to get it without asking for a hint. If it helps, it's not a great hint. (laughs) All right, then I'll take the not great hint. So he gives rhymes for the words to help you pronounce them. So the rhyme that he has for this is botcha. Huh. We might, in English, in New York City English, might call it, might rhyme it with botch-e, maybe. Chotchkey? Yeah, chotchkey. Oh, yeah, it would be tchotchka. Yeah. Tchotchka, exactly. Yep. Wow, I didn't know that was a Yiddish word. It's a Yiddish word that comes from Yiddish through Polish, from the Polish word tsatsko, oh. meaning bauble or trinket. Or um, matham. <laughs> or matham, exactly. <laughs> tchotchka had like a million other definitions too, Emily. Really? It did, and amongst them... 
a tchotchka could be a cute female, a pretty little number, or <laughs> it could be a sexy but brainless broad. Oh. Maybe a zoftig one if you're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, everybody, I hope you enjoyed Kyle's last episode. <laughs> Thanks for sending us off with a good one, Kyle. Um, we'll have the new guy in next week. Oh, you're welcome. Well, thanks for that. And hey, everybody, remember that you can find Butter No Parsnips on social media, on Facebook and Instagram at Butter No Parsnips Podcast, and on TikTok at Butter No Parsnips. And if you like today's episode, consider giving us a five-star rating or review wherever you heard us. And if you really like today's episode, consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash butternoparsnips. Donating $5 or more earns you a shout-out either on social media or here on the podcast. Thanks so much to all of you. You help us make what we make. And with that, I've been Kyle Imperator. And I've been Emily Moyers, and this has been Butter No Parsnips. Butter No Parsnips is produced by Seth Glicksman, Emily Moyers, and myself, Kyle Imperator. The main and accompanying themes were composed by Kyle Imperator.